Hello, this is Dr. Ned Hallowell, and welcome to Dr. Hallowell's Wonderful World of Different. Today, I have an old friend as a guest and a true legend in the field of learning differences. There aren't many people who qualify for legend, but this man certainly does. He he is a founding father of the Landmark School, which is one of not only this country, but the world's foremost institutions to help children and young adults who learn differently, who have language-based learning disabilities. They are a leader in the field. They are the innovators. They are the groundbreakers. They are the trendsetters. They are the enlightened ones. And it's largely because of my wonderful guest, Bob Brudo. That's B-R-O-U-D-O, Bob Brudo, who is coming down the last few furlongs of his many trips around the track as the head of, of Landmark. He finishes up his He's picked his successor, and uh, uh, he's ready to uh, step aside from this position, although he'll still remain connected with the school come July 1st. It's pretty remarkable to have worked in this field longer than I have, and Bob's got me by 10 years. I, I really didn't learn about all of this until 1981, whereas Bob was hard at work in 1971. So um, truly is one of not only one of the most learned specialists in this field, but one of the real nice guys in, in this field as well. He's helped so many, many thousands and thousands of children and their families, not to mention all of us professionals who've learned from him and, and all the teachers he's trained who've gone out around the country and around the world you know, it's been a true ripple effect. What starts in this little town of Beverly, Pride's Crossing on the North Shore of Massachusetts, in this sort of castle looking out the ocean. And from that vantage point, they look out at the world and, and really do stand as a beacon of hope and knowledge for all of uh, those of us who don't learn the way other people do. We learn better. <laughs> and and uh, with that introduction, let me really welcome, introduce, and and hope you all know what a special moment this is to get a chance to hear from my friend, great learning specialist, Bob Bruto, head of Landmark School. Thank you so much, Ned. Those are very moving, moving words, and especially coming from you. It means a lot. You know, when Dr. Charles Drake founded Landmark in 1971, he was not only brilliant about neuroscience and best practices, but he found young people who were on a mission and to be involved with Landmark for 51 years, to be head for 32 is all about that mission. And I think this mission will go on in my soul for the rest of my days. So thank you so much for having me on today. So how would you define the mission? I think I know what you mean, but for our listeners, what is your mission and the mission of Landmark? Well, Landmark's mission is to enable and empower young people with language-based learning disabilities, dyslexia, to find their academic and their social growth. They are so capable. They're so alive in the world, but they're struggling because they're not learning in traditional classrooms. And our programs can make a difference. Our kids, if they stay through graduation, they all graduate. They all go to college. They come to us from four countries, 20 states, 115 cities and towns because they're not making it in these classrooms. So our goal is to change the course of these young people's lives. That's why 
The lighthouse is our logo. It's changing the course from danger to safety. But the mission's bigger. We work with about 10,000 teachers a year in public and private schools, which touches thousands and thousands of students, helping these teachers understand neurodiversity, that different learners learn differently, and there are best practices to teach language and learning skills to access the curriculum. So the mission is international while we have our school here in Beverly and Manchester, Massachusetts. Well, now, someone listening is saying to himself or herself, I wonder if my child or I might have dyslexia. What, by the way, the noises you hear in the background are my dog, Max. He's, he's shaking his collar, and that sounds like the chain. And then he's talking now and then, and you'll hear him going. Brrr. So it's not my stomach growling. It's Max behind me uh, making himself known, as he usually does. But so what are the telltale signs for a child or an adult, for that matter, that they might have dyslexia? Well, I think it starts early. It's a young person who, as they're growing, you can see how bright they are. They're fun. They're playful. They can abstract. They can generalize. And then all of a sudden, they have difficult with little tasks, organizing their world, learning letter sounds, beginning to break through with reading or expressive language can't follow directions auditorily. Just a disproportionate challenge based on how capable they are cognitively. And you can see the discrepancy. Parents can feel it. Teachers can feel it. Kids who aren't able to access the world around them because they simply can't process. And you can see the difference between their cognitive ability and the way that they're processing. And how does it impact reading? Well, it seriously impacts reading because letter sound associations become really challenging. Blending those letter sound associations together, forming sentences that they're visually reading. Um, and then even when kids can decode and they can read those words, sometimes they're working so hard to decode that they don't remember what they just read because mm. they're working mm. on the mechanical piece of decoding. Mm. So short-term visual memory isn't good. So they can be reading out loud to a teacher who then asks some questions and they can't answer the questions and they don't feel good about themselves. Their self-esteem takes a hit. And then if you combine it with attention deficit disorder, like I have both of them, dyslexia and ADD, then not only do you have trouble with the reading, but you have trouble paying attention to what you're reading. Absolutely. Absolutely. Distracted by friends near you, distracted by other sounds, distracted by Max in the background. Um, but it's just, yes, with attention deficit, it becomes even more challenging for a young person to make it in a traditional environment. Now, what proportion of your kids have both ADD and dyslexia? All of our students have dyslexia. And I would say 40 or 50 percent have a secondary uh -huh. ADD. If it's a primary ADD without dyslexia, then our profile isn't right for that student. Right. But you, uh, and what is your approach? I mean, how, how do you help someone with a brain like mine learn to read well enough to, to do well? It's a very medical model, Ned. So we dive deeply into diagnostics. So before a student comes to Landmark, we have a full neuropsych evaluation. We can see the strengths and the challenges. It appears to be a student who would fit into our profile. We invite them here. We do more testing and we can really see it's a language-based problem. Cognitive ability is there. Auditorily or visually, they're not processing or executive function. And then with the medical model, we design a program for that student. So every student here has a one-to-one -one tutorial 
with an academic advisor working with a tutor, designing what they need to deal with the visual and the auditory challenges. All of the classes are grouped by skills and we can move them as fast as possible as they grow through our, our structure here. So it's a diagnostic prescriptive model that says no one way can help this person. We will find the way to help this person. Just like a medical doctor, when 10 people come in, there's a diagnosis, they prescribe what they think is gonna work for that child and then keep growing. And what, what's the average number of years a, a student spends at Landmark? The average number of students is about three years. So if they come to our elementary program, they may or may not go to our middle school. Uh -huh. If they come to middle school, they may or may not go to our high school. And we even have ninth graders who come in who go nine, 10, and they just take off. Their skills take off, yeah. they become self-advocating, they become confident, and they go to a more traditional school. Then they come back and play against us in sports, and we hate that. <laughs> Boy, do I wish I'd had Landmark. I, you know, I have both ADD and dyslexia, and, and I, I was just seat of my pants. And, and um, you know, I learned to read, but very slowly. But well enough that I majored in English at Harvard, you know, and graduated with high honors while doing pre-med. However, to this day, I am an incredibly slow reader. It takes me forever to read a book. My wife says, I don't know how you know anything. <laughs> it, it takes me so long to read. So if I'd come to you guys, say, in the fifth grade or something, would I now be reading at a reasonable rate? I would believe so, yes, because wow. given, again, your cognitive ability, your ability to practice and repeat and take in the skill sets, fluency, you would be taking off, absolutely. And I bet you retain most of what you read. So we'd be working on that as well in terms of how you retain it and then express back and analyze what you've read. So it's not just concrete. And is it a big advantage to intervene, like, say, in the fourth or fifth grade as opposed to adulthood? Yes, absolutely. The earlier, the better. And we don't take students younger than grade two because we don't think we can get a fair diagnosis at a very young age. Mm -hmm. Could be a maturational issue or whatever. But the younger, the better, because once again, we're talking about self-esteem. We're talking right. about self-concept. And the earlier we can help students see how smart they are and capable, the better. So they develop a sense of pride. They don't feel bad about having dyslexia. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So many students will say they feel stupid. They still use that phrase. They feel different when they're pulled out of a classroom to go see the specialist. Right. You come to a special school like Landmark, they feel part of a level playing field because everybody's here for the same reason. So they feel like, okay, now I get the opportunity to see the specialist who's going to help me unwrap my gift, so to speak. Yes. And what a young person or uh, one of our older kids will say right away, they know me. Hmm. They know me. They meet me where I am in the learning process. Hmm. You know, Rumi, that great Persian poet, always said, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there's a field. I'll meet you there. Hmm. What we do is we meet each learner where he or she is in the learning process, but also as an individual in their emotional development and social development. And they feel that right away. Let me ask you a 35,000 foot question. So you started in 1971 and here we are in 2022. What progress do you think we've made over those 50 years? Oh, Ned, I don't very often say I'm angry because I don't get angry, 
but I'm angry. We haven't made enough progress. We're still losing kids in wonderful school systems and in more challenged school systems. There are still too many young people dropping out of school. We're still teaching content as opposed to teaching students how to access content. Um, we're not using evidence-based approaches as best practices for teaching kids language and learning skills. And that's why when I say I'm stepping out of this role, but not out of the mission, I'm angry. We knew about neurodiversity in the 60s. We knew about wonderful best practices in the 60s and 70s. Chapter 766 in Massachusetts was the first comprehensive special education law. That was in the 70s. Public law 94-142. That came after. That was in the 70s. Where have we gone in teaching these kids and meeting everybody where they are in the learning process? Don't you think prejudice plays a big role? People, the knowledge is there, but they don't access it. I think that's a big part of it. Yes, absolutely. And I do fault some of the teaching institutes because they don't teach teachers about the range of learners in the classroom. And even the, the way these conditions are looked at. When I was at Exeter, you know, which is a very rigorous private boarding school up in New Hampshire, I graduated in 1968. At that time, uh, Perry Culver's wife, the dean of the Harvard Medical School's wife, came up to Exeter with a whole package. And she said, we will set up for you a learning difference center here where we will train, treat, do all, all you have to do is give us the students. We'll pay for it. We'll completely give you a state-of-the-art, wonderful. And the man in charge said, don't be ridiculous. We don't have stupid kids here. <laughs> And there, John Irving was there at the time, the, you know, yeah. with his dyslexia. And but he was right, Ned. He, you didn't have stupid kids there. He had really smart kids. Exactly. You might, exactly. Have to, you might have needed to teach some of those very smart kids. And that was the brilliance of Dr. Drake. Without MRIs, without the Nadine Gabs and the various people in the world, the Gabriellis and others who were taking pictures of the brain, he understood how that worked. Yeah, And then we could figure out ways to make that muscle stronger by practicing skills. Yeah. yeah, I often think about it as athletics. If you were a great athlete, but you never played tennis, you'd go out in the court, you'd get the ball back because you're a good athlete. Right. A really good tennis player on the other side would say, but Ned has no backhand. Yeah. I'm going to always hit to the backhand. Yeah, yeah. And then a coach would come along and say, Ned, change your grip, turn your body a little bit, change your step, practice, practice, practice. And all of a sudden, that opponent's going to hit you a backhand and you're going to kill it back to him. Yeah. Because yeah. you took in that skill set. That's what we're doing with young learners in their brains. Yeah. And that, if only, more, if only, Max, be quiet, Max. <laughs> Tell you that he knows how to read. He'll, uh, he wants the tennis ball. Yeah, exactly. He wants the tennis ball. Exactly. Well, I am angry too, because these kids and these adults, for that matter, they need to be freed from this because this is not a condition that can't be dealt with. There are some things you can't deal with, but this one, we have the knowledge, we have the techniques, and it's absolutely life-changing. I mean, it's not a, a small improvement. You get a major improvement. You get a major improvement. And if you talk to our alums, I mean, think about it. People find Landmark, not like Exeter. People say, I want my child to go to Exeter. Nobody ever says, I want my kid to go to Landmark. Mm. But they're failing and somehow along the way they find Landmark and they come here from all over the world. And then they go off and they're so successful. They're yeah. so successful doing so many things. 
I won't name him by name, but one of my alums got in touch recently. He's long gone. And he came here. His family moved here. He went off. He's the youngest vice president right now at Pixar. Wow. Wow. He wasn't going to make it. Wow. 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 You know, and it's like, that's not fair that those kids don't have a chance. Oh, absolutely. And the the number of people that, um, you know, that some lock out and make it anyway, like my buddy David Nealman, who founded JetBlue Airlines and, and, you know, has big time ADD. But then for every David Nealman, there are a hundred or more who are in jail, unemployed, addicted, marginalized. I mean, as much as you and I are both therapeutic optimists, the fact is that the ones who don't get help or don't have good luck, the consequences are devastating. This is not a mild, you know, oh, maybe you won't be as happy as you could be. This can absolutely ruin your life. Oh, there's no question. The federal prison system is full of young dyslexics, older dyslexics, folks who never got the help they needed. And most of the people in federal prison systems are functionally illiterate. And the highest percentage of them are dyslexic. Yeah. And what do you do? You, you drop out and get in trouble. No. And it's a, it, it's so preventable. And then you throw in the number with ADD as well. You know, it's a, I, I say both of these conditions are potential gifts. They're potential embedded in them as great talent. You know, and I, I don't treat disabilities. I help people unwrap their gifts and that's what you're doing too. But if you don't get that, the gift doesn't unwrap itself, you know, and you can just struggle at best, underachieving, and at worst, really catastrophic consequences. Absolutely. No question about it. And devastating for families, too, because parents aren't taught what to do. And if they don't have the support of the educators, it becomes really, really challenging. And, you know, we have such a responsibility. You know, just before the pandemic, Coke Industries, the Coke Foundation was pulling together a group of people to get into the federal prison system and to find a way to test for literacy. Mm-hmm. And for the inmates where, the, where we would go, if they were reading at a third or second grade level or lower, we would start teaching literacy skills and help those people because they're there because there was no other path for them than something that got them in trouble. And you know there are caring organizations out there all over the world that are trying. But think about if we trained the classroom teacher to be a problem solver, not a content teacher. Right. You go in and use that medical model. I give an assignment. When that assignment comes back, what is it my students could do? And what is it my students couldn't do? Right. The things they couldn't do, you teach those skills. And you might say, but that's only to a small portion of the class. But that helps everybody when you right. teach them those skills. That right. helps the whole class. Right. The whole class benefits when the ones who are, you know, having a harder time do better. It's so, yeah. it's so, so true. I mean, uh, well, Bob, if, if someone listening wanted to learn more about Landmark, about you, about dyslexia, where should they go? Well, very, very easily to go to the Landmark School website, all kinds of information there about the school and other things. Um, what is that website? Uh, LandmarkSchool.org. Oh, great. Just Landmark School, just as it sounds. Yeah. .org. And that yes. opens up the whole world of landmark for you. Yes. Wonderful. And I um too openly at times I am always willing to take a phone call. 
<laughs> I, I know that for a fact. And, and, uh, you know, not only for me, but I refer people to you and you take their phone calls too. You know, it's a, absolutely you're a wonderful person that way. I mean, you you walk the walk. You don't just talk the talk. You're out there trying to be Johnny Appleseed every day, you know, trying to plant and grow. And well, I'm 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 glad you're still angry. And you know, I, I think everyone listening, I think you've given them some hope. And then the hope will lead them to knowledge that they can gain from your your website, landmarkschool.org. Um, Absolutely. And realize the earlier you get on this, the better. And we're not talking two years old, but five, six, seven years old. The earlier the better and but get treatment from someone that knows what they're doing so run it by bob before you sign on because there unfortunately there are a lot of people offering solutions that really don't don't pass muster and, and you don't want to time is precious you don't want to because you, you only get a few whacks that a, a child will start turning off to the whole prospect and you know and absolutely saying, i don't absolutely. want any more of this yeah and, and this whole field has opened up relationships such as knowing you, Ned. That's meant so much to me. And I would say to the parents out there and advocates, think about partnerships and collaborations. Think about schools working with schools. Think about getting to your governors. Think about making some noise. I'm angry and I'm not going to take it anymore. But by coming together, we can make a bigger umbrella across the country that says these are our best resources. Our natural resources are our children. We're not going to look past them. And the bang for your buck is tremendous. It's not like watering the desert. It's like, you know, watering a flower that's ready to grow just needs some water. These kids are some of our most talented, most imaginative, most creative. And they just need that little bit of extra help to flourish, not just get by, but flourish. Just think what Einstein might have achieved had he had some training. <laughs> being a dyslexic <laughs> that's so true that's so true well bob bruto head of soon to be former head of the greatest school of its kind the landmark school up in the north shore of massachusetts uh, landmarkschool.org go there learn from bob learn from the school don't let any child who is struggling with dyslexia language-based learning problems go unhelped because these kids have great gifts they just need a little informed proper help in unwrapping that gift to make tremendous contribution uh, bob i can't thank you enough for joining me today it's been a great pleasure having you and all of you listening please be sure to send in your ideas for uh, new shows comments on this show guests you'd like to see send it to the word different at hallowellcenter.org. That's the word different at hallowellcenter.org. We love to hear from you. Please contribute. Tell us what you think, what you want us to do, what you wish we would do, and we will do it. We will do it. We're growing a community and we really, we really, really depend upon your input. If you'd like to see more guests like the wonderful Bob Bruto, let us know. Let us know what other direction you'd like us to go in and just send it to the word different at hallowellcenter.org. Well, having said that and thanking once again, my dear friend, the great Bob Bruto, this is Dr. Ned Hallowell saying thank you for joining me on Dr. Hallowell's wonderful world of different and goodbye until next time. <laughs>